In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. This line, these few verses from St. John's Gospel, are put before us today by the Church for our prayer and for our edification. And it's a beautiful thing just to see how ordinary Our Lady's life was and, to a certain point, how ordinary Our Lord's life was. That they're present at this wedding feast. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And this is the great message of St. Josemaria, that we can sanctify Ordinary work, ordinary life, ordinary circumstances. Why? Well, because Our Lady had done this and Our Lord had done this. They're our model in living our ordinary life with God, for God. And so we can always ask ourselves, well, how would Our Lord or Our Lady have faced this problem? How would St. Joseph have worked on this task? How would Our Lord or Our Lady have faced the ordinary situations of my life, in their life, how did they do this? How did they live their ordinary life? The mother of Jesus was there. What a great blessing that this couple had, and they didn't realize the extent to which they were blessed. Perhaps, of course, they knew Our Lady, and they appreciated her, and they had a certain esteem and maybe even honor for her because they realized that she was a very good person. But they couldn't have known just how privileged they were to have Mary there present at their wedding. The mother of Jesus, the mother of God. They didn't know that about her yet. And yet there she is. And she intervenes for them. She is looking out for them. She's present and there to help them, there to watch over them. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. The mother of Jesus was there and she's there in this role of protector and servant. And this is an image of our life as well, that my life has many great things about it, many beautiful things. And one of the most beautiful things is the presence of Our Lady. Each one of us can say this about our life. The mother of Jesus is here. The mother of Jesus has always been here. She was there throughout my youth and my childhood. And she's here in my life now, and she will be because the mother of Jesus is also my mother, the mother of the church. And Mary, our mother, you do for us what you did for this couple. You intervene, you intercede. And in ways perhaps that we're not yet aware of, Our Lady sees needs, perhaps that we haven't even seen yet. And This seems to happen with this couple. 
The gospel doesn't mention that anyone else notices that the wine is giving out. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. The apostles don't seem to notice. Sometimes I like to hypothesize that they're actually the cause of the shortage, right? Putting away (laughs) that wine. Jesus, of course, in his divinity, knows everything, notices, but he doesn't think it's too important to intervene until his mother asks him. The couple themselves, we can imagine them there, totally enraptured with each other, excited by the by the crowd, and they overlook this detail. They're so into loving each other and looking forward to the future and enjoying their company that they don't notice that the wine has failed, that the wine has given out. The only one who seems to notice is Our Lady. They have no wine. She's aware of the needs of others. And this is a great lesson for us that in order to live charity, in order to have a spirit of service, well, first of all, we have to be aware. What do people in my life need? How can I help the people in my life? How can I help others? Our Lady is there to serve. And this is a great question that we have to ask ourselves when we think about our social life, our family life, our professional life. We think about in our prayer, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why am I here? What am I doing here? And the short answer is that God has put us there to serve, to serve him and to serve others. I am among you, our Lord says, as one who serves. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. And that helps us to kind of orient ourselves. Well, how should I act in this situation? Or how should I be in this other situation? Well, wherever we are, let's try to be there like Christ, like Our Lady, right? To help others, to serve others, to notice their needs, and to do what we can to respond to their needs, help them along. And how does Our Lady serve? Well, she doesn't do it in an activist way. She doesn't run out and try to buy some more wine or get all nervous and start talking to the servants if there's a reserve of wine or start bossing around poor St. John, the youngest disciple. Hey, you know, go go do something about this. No, she's, she's very simple and prayerful. The only thing she does, which is the essential thing, is to show the problem to her son. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. She serves by praying. She serves by trusting her son. And this will be our first act of service. This will be the first and the best thing we can do for people, the people that we're with, the people that are part of our lives, the people we work with, the people in our families. Our best way of loving them will always be to pray for them. And if we don't pray for people, it's because our faith is weak. We've gotten a little jaded or we've become a little cynical. We've let ourselves slide into believing that God doesn't really respond to our prayers, that prayer is not really effective. And Our Lady reminds us that this is not true. And she sees the need, and the first and really only thing she does is to show it to our Lord. They have no wine. And Jesus, you yourself tell us, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
great assurances of the power of prayer. Our Lady, help us to be like you. You are open. You're present at this normal event, this party. We can imagine you there having a good time, enjoying things, but your eyes are open to the needs of others and your eyes are open to the presence of God in Christ. And so you notice the needs of others and your first instinct is to pray for them, to intercede for them, to show it to God. They have no wine. We can't imagine Our Lady being self-concerned in some corner somewhere, just pounding away on olives and falafel or whatever they were having there and, you know, <laughs> drinking wine and not uh, not noticing what's going on around her, not noticing what others need. And yes, she was there and we can imagine her enjoying the food and enjoying the drink, but not in a way that shut her off from others, not in a self-indulgent way. She was truly there to serve and there in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of of God. So good for us, so consoling to see what Our Lady is like, anticipating the needs of this young couple. She doesn't wait to be asked to intervene. She's attentive and she takes initiative. And Mary, you are our mother. You are in our life. The mother of Jesus is here. Mary, you're present in my heart. You watch over my life. You're present wherever I am because Wherever I am, your son is. We're all members of the body of Christ. And so we should have a great confidence in Our Lady's presence and Our Lady's intercession, especially during difficult times in our life, during difficult times in the church, difficult times in the world that we're going through. The more difficult things are, the more we should go to Our Lady with urgency, with constancy, and with great confidence. Do I pray the rosary every day? And when I pray the rosary, do I pray with faith, with confidence that Our Lady is going to help me, is going to help my family, is going to help the church, is going to help the world? Jesus said to her after Our Lady intervenes and shows him this problem, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each one holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. What a beautiful and very mysterious passage. Jesus, in response to Our Lady's intervention, in response to her implicit request that you help this couple, you respond with what seems like a resounding no, a very negative response. Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And so he doesn't just say no, he pulls the providence card, right? He pulls the card of God's plan. It's not the hour for signs yet. It's not the right time for miracles. I'm not supposed to be manifested to the public in this way yet. And yet, nevertheless, she insists, and in spite of his negative response, his negative first response, he performs this miracle. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then Jesus tells them 
to fill the jars with water. And then when they pour out the jars again, the water has become wine. And so something happened, something changed. Our Lady heard a no, and somehow she interprets it as a yes. So the miracle of the water turning into wine is accompanied by a kind of internal spiritual miracle of Our Lady turning a no into a yes. She hears a no, and somehow she interprets it as a yes, I will do something, I will help. And this has always been pointed to as an indication of Our Lady's power, the power of Our Lady's intercession before God, that God even seems willing to change his plans, to change what he wanted to do, the way he wanted things to go, because of his mother's request, because of his mother's pull on his heart, because of his desire to please his mother, to obey his mother. And so we call Our Lady an all-powerful intercessor, not all-powerful in herself like God, but all-powerful in her intercession that God can't say no to her. God who gave us the command, honor your father and mother. God who wants us to obey our parents insofar as we're in their care and they deserve our obedience. This same God, when he becomes man, lives this and keeps living it in heaven. He honors his mother. He obeys his mother. He listens to his mother. So when we go to Our Lady, we go to someone who loves us, who's looking out for us just as she looked out for that couple and someone who has this great pull with God, this great pull with her son. And what happened in Our Lady's heart? How does she hear a no and a kind of resounding no and interpret it as a yes? Well, we're not quite sure. We can't see into her heart. But it has to be something like trust. It has to be something like a tremendous amount of trust Knowing that Jesus is good, knowing how much Jesus loves her, knowing how much Jesus cares about people, knowing how obedient he has always been, she hears that no and she sees it perhaps as a test. Now, he can't really mean that. I just asked him to do something that is good and that I've been moved to ask by the Holy Spirit. And I know how much he loves me, and I know how much he cares about these people. He can't really mean no. And so I won't take no for an answer. And she says, even though he said no, do whatever he tells you. The implicit trust, he's going to do something. He's got to do something. He's good, and he can, and so he will. I know he cares. I know he can do something, and so I know he will do something. So do whatever he tells you. And we too need to take this attitude of a great confidence in God into our own life, into our own prayer life. Because there are times, many times, when we'll receive no's from God. He doesn't answer our prayers as quickly as we want. He doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we would like. And like Our Lady, we have to insist with a great faith in his goodness. I know you're saying no, I know you're not responding in the way that seems reasonable or that I want, but I trust you anyway. I know you're going to help me in some way. I know you're going to do something, so we don't despair. We keep trying to do his will. Trust him by trying to do his will. Do whatever he tells you. 
What great advice to hear from Our Lady. Do whatever he tells you. And in context, it might seem like, you know, kind of a throwaway line. Like, well, I don't know. He said no. I think he's going to do something. So I give up, right? Do, <laughs> do whatever he tells you. But if we view it with faith, and if we realize who is saying this, who is, who is telling these servants and through the gospels telling us, this wonderful piece of advice, do whatever he tells you. We realize that it's something very profound and very deep that Our Lady is speaking from her own personal experience. Right? Her yes to her vocation as the mother of God, the mother of the Messiah, was precisely fiat mihi secundum verbum tum, be it done unto me according to your word. Right? Her whole life, her whole experience of God is this conforming herself to God's word, doing what he told her, doing his will. And so when she says, do whatever he tells you, she's speaking from her own experience of her life, of her prayer, of her vocation. He'll know what to do. This works. I've done this. It's amazing. It can't not work. Do whatever he tells you. Trust God totally, completely. Have an unlimited trust in his plan for you. Find out what he wants and do it. You can't lose. Advice from our mother. And it's the only advice our lady gives in the entire gospel. She has very few lines in the gospel, and this is the only kind of direct piece of advice that she gives to us. Do whatever he tells you. And we know mothers are prone to give advice. And perhaps we wish our own mothers were a little bit more like Our Lady in giving us less advice, less advice than they do. But Our Lady is good. She gives us the essential advice. Do God's will. Trust God enough to do His will. And sometimes, you know, we see books or, or YouTube videos or whatever with that with that promise, right? Fitness secrets from celebrities or fitness secrets from professional athletes. And we think, oh, well, they're really fit. So they probably know what they're talking about. So let me get their secrets. Or advice on how to be rich from billionaires. It's like, oh, well, they must know because they did it, right? And so we might give more credence to advice on how to be rich from billionaires than advice on how to be rich from someone who doesn't have any money. And of course, you know, that doesn't always work because there are different circumstances and situations or whatever. And so even if we listen to the best fitness advice from the most fit celebrities or athletes, doesn't mean it's going to help us. But this is absolutely true and this can't not work. Life advice from our mother. Advice on how to love God, to please God, to live our life with God from our Mother Mary, the Queen of all saints. And it's very simple. Do whatever he tells you. And it's also Jesus' secret. I always do what pleases him. Jesus tells us about his own motivation in the Gospel of John. I always do what pleases him. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
like mother, like son. Be it done unto me according to your word. Do whatever he tells you. And that begs the question, well, what does God want from me? And this is a great question to ask in our prayer, to ask in spiritual direction, to ask in our examination of conscience. What does God want from me? What are my priorities this year? What does God really want? And for most of us, thank God, that question is not too, too hard to answer because God has given us our vocation already. We have certain duties and certain obligations that come with the life that God has given us. And the main part of his will for us is to live those well, to live the obligations and relationships that I have right now in my life is probably the majority of God's will for me. To be good at my work, to be striving to be better in my friendships, in my family relationships, to give God enough of his due, right, which is perhaps something that we can grow in, to spend more time in our prayer, to be more consistent in our religious commitments to prayer, to growth in certain virtues. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? What is God's will for me? Well, for most of us, it's to live the life that we have, to live the life that we have with all of its obligations and relationships, but in a more Christian way, right? With more trust in God, with more love for God, with more charity, with more understanding, with more hope, right? Just to take faith, hope, and charity and crank them up while living the same life that we have. And fighting a little bit more against sin, right? Where am I too lazy? Where am I too self-centered? Where am I too sensual? Right? Denying ourselves so that we can live a more spiritual life in the life that we have. But still, it's a good question, right? Is there something else, Lord? What is your will for me? Do whatever he tells you. What, Lord, are you telling me to do? What do you want me to add to my life? What do you want me to cut out for my life? What needs to be fine-tuned? What needs to be, uh, what's the opposite of fine-tuned? I don't know. What, ne- <laughs> what needs to be uh, more seriously changed, right? Turned over. St. Rosemarie would talk about turning our life inside out like a sock. Sometimes we need that right, to really make a big change in our attitude or our prayer life or whatever, leaving something behind, quitting some bad habit. Lord, what needs to be changed? Do whatever he tells you. Lord, help help me to see what you want me to do and give me the grace to do it. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom to him and said, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine, after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. There's so much to learn here. The abundance of God's mercy. When God helps us, He doesn't help us just enough. He helps us abundantly. This is a lot of wine, right? Scripture commentators point out that 
this was enough wine for a whole village of people, hundreds of people. Six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each one holding 20 or 30 gallons. So at least 120 gallons of wine. And perhaps 180 gallons of wine. So when God does something for our good, He does it lavishly. God is a God of abundance. He doesn't create a small universe. He creates a universe with billions of galaxies and billions and billions of stars in each galaxy. He creates a universe that's super rich, super complex, lavishly beautiful, lavishly expansive. And when he redeems us, he doesn't just do enough. He gives his very life for us on the cross. He doesn't just do enough to keep us out of hell. No, he gives us heaven, or he gives us a participation in divine life. And this is a matter of faith that we have enough grace to be saints. That's a conviction. It's not a feeling. It's a conviction. And our faith has to be lavish, and our love has to be abundant. If we're going to live a divine life, God is here pouring out his life on the cross, pouring out himself into the Eucharist, giving us tons of grace to be holy, right? To be holy, not to be healthy necessarily or successful, right? Help to be holy, to trust him more, to love him more, love others more. But we're not going to tap into that unless we ourselves are a little bit more or perhaps a lot more lavish, right? That we abandon ourselves, that we shoot higher. And this happens with a conviction. It's it's primarily a conviction in our mind of the truth of this fact. I have all the help I need to be a saint. I have all the help I need to love others well, to please God, to have a prayer life, to do apostolate. And I don't feel like I have all that help, but I'm convinced of it because God loves me lavishly. He goes overboard. He doesn't make two gallons of wine just so the party can end. He makes 180 gallons of wine so that if they wanted to, they can keep drinking for three months. And he makes good wine. Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. What God does, God does abundantly, and God does well. And we, Lord, who are made in your image and likeness, are also called to try to do things well. To try to do things well for the love of God. If I'm going to do something, I might as well try to do it well. Without perfectionism, without holding myself to some impossible standard that actually keeps me from doing things well many times because when we're perfectionists, we'll end up not doing things because we think we're not doing it good enough or we'll end up doing less things because it takes us too much time to do something well or to do it up to that standard that we think is is necessary. Not perfectionism, but doing things well out of love for God. And this too is a way that we can imitate our Lord and Our Lady. When Jesus makes wine, he makes a lot of it. He's not 
stingy, he's liberal with himself and with his gifts, and he tries to look out for the quality, right? You have kept the good wine until now, right? He does something well. And this is our life, right? To do things out of love with a kind of lavishness, abundance, forgetting about ourselves, and to try to do them well out of love for God. We go to Our Lady. The Mother of Jesus was there. Our Lady, Our Mother, thank you for being present at Cana in Galilee. Thank you for the lessons that you've taught us by intervening for this couple, by interacting with your son. And thank you for being present in our life. Each of, each one of us, at the end of our life, will be able to say this about our entire life. The mother of Jesus was there. She's always been there. She's here now with us. And she'll always be there for us. Our Lady, our Mother, help us to have more confidence in you, have more confidence in Christ, and always take your advice to do whatever he tells us. Mary, Queen of all saints, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.